trying to wrap up our study on the two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And I want to wrap the study up by just going through some differences. Uh, and in John chapter number three, uh, the Bible says in verse number one, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came by Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with thee. Uh, the Jews had vast knowledge of God. Jesus, teacher, fine. Miracles, fine. They had a lot of knowledge, but they had no faith. And we all know the story very, very well. Uh, and as a result of all of their knowledge, they rejected the Savior. Look at verse number three. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. We all know that very familiar, the idea of being a born again Christian. That's the only type of Christian you can be. It says he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you know what? That really tripped up Nicodemus because they're familiar with the kingdom of heaven. Now, we can't go back and review all of that, but that's the physical kingdom. They had land, and when they obeyed God, they got blessed in that land, and they're going to have some land coming to them as a promise. But as soon as Jesus says unto him, he cannot see the kingdom of God, it just completely throws Nicodemus for a loop. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. Now, we can easily relate to that because we all understand and know the story of Nicodemus in John 3. It's a spiritual kingdom that he needs to be born into. That's the entrance he needs, not an entrance into a physical kingdom. In Luke 17, we'll get there in a minute, but it says the kingdom of God is within you. Now, look at verse number five. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God further, further proving that you need a spiritual birth to enter a spiritual kingdom has absolutely nothing to do with your first birth where you were. You came out in the water sack and you were born physically. That's how you entered the kingdom, the, the physical kingdom he's talking about. We all understand this as a spiritual kingdom. And you know what the Jews wanted? They wanted Jesus to set up a kingdom and rule over that kingdom. And he tried to tell, that's not why I'm here for my first come. And you know what we want? We would prefer the physical kingdom. <laughs> Wouldn't we? Don't we like the, the physical, uh, what, do, what do we call them? Uh, uh, all the um, benefits of living in a town, that all has, the, the amenities. We want all those physical amenities. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying I don't desire him either. What I'm saying is Jesus Christ would rather reign and dwell in your heart, that kingdom of God. We desire the physical reign, and Christ says, no, I, desire to, I desire to reign spiritually within believers. That's his desire. And that's the whole idea of John chapter number three. And this understanding of these two kingdoms is really going to help us uh, I believe as we start to wrap up this study. So go to uh, Luke 17. Luke 17. Look at verse 20. 
Bible says, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, here it is, when the kingdom of God should come. He answered them and said, it's so eloquent, yet it's so simple. Jesus says, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Fellas, there's nothing to observe here. There's nothing to see here. Why does he have to tell them this? Because their sights were always on physical. Always. Same idea, John 3, same idea here. Verse number 21. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus Christ, Christ liveth in me. We went through all of this. And we're going through Romans 6. It is a residence of the Holy Spirit within believers. And you know what you got in the kingdom of heaven? Plenty of things to observe. In the Old Testament, the kingdom of heaven was uh, pictured and spoken about many, 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 many times. And when we see that phrase, kingdom of heaven, in the New Testament, what book does it show up in? The book of Matthew, and that is it. It shows up in 32 verses in the book of Matthew alone and only. Jewish audience, emphasis on, on Jews. And that's why the kingdom of God, it shows up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. In Romans, it says, is it not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost? That's speaking of the kingdom of God. It's not physical meat. We have the bread of life. <laughs> Make sense? First Corinthians 4.20, it shows up. says, for the kingdom of God is not word, but in power. Where does the power come from? Power of the gospel. Also, kingdom of God shows up in Galatians, Colossians, and 2 Thessalonians. I like to say that as just a way of introduction so we can understand that because in Matthew 13, remember we went through all those parables, seven or eight, if you can include that last one as a parable, it doesn't matter. What matters is tonight we're going to look at those parables in relation to the cross-reference that we find in Mark. And we're going to notice some distinctions in Matthew's account and in Mark's account to help us better understand these these kingdoms and what one we should be focused on and what one is for us. All of the Bible's for our learning, but not all of it is for us to actually do. And That'll make more sense. I'm not telling you to not follow the Bible. I'm just telling you that nobody here, I know it's been raining and there's a flood. I think Spring Hill, somebody sent me a picture. You know, something's flooded. What I'm saying is, yes, I know Noah built an ark and, and in the Bible, that's there for us to learn. But none of us are going to go start building an ark because it's raining too much, right? We, we know that that isn't for us to do. So that's all I mean by, uh, by that statement. All right, let's get to the book of Mark. Chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 12. All right, Mark 3. Mark 3. And Matthew 12. 
We'll do Mark chapter number three first. Now, why are you going to why are you going to Mark three and not Mark four if the parables are there? And why are we going to Matthew twelve and not Matthew thirteen if the parables were there? Because I want to show you a distinction that occurs before Jesus even gets into the Mark four and Matthew thirteen parables. So this is just a way of introduction to look at the distinctions. Mark three, look at verse thirty five. The Bible says in Mark 3, last verse in the chapter, verse 35, whosoever, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. But why does it say, why does Jesus say the will of God? Before a nation was formed, everyone had God. <laughs> okay. After God called out Abraham, there was a nation that was birthed. And if you weren't part of that nation, you were considered a Gentile. And you still had God. <laughs> you and I are not part of the Jewish nation or the Jewish lineage by flesh and blood. We're Gentiles. And if we were living back then, we would always have it. There was always a, there was always God. Now look at Mark, look at Matthew chapter 13, and this will make sense to you. Notice the difference in the wording in Matthew's account. A emphasis on Jews, the book of Matthew. And it says in verse 50, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Why do we say that? Because as we get into the distinctions in these parables leading up to the next chapter. Abraham, Father Abraham. Uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. What? The, the Jews had a father God. You know what the Gentiles had? God. And so there's a difference in an audience. And so there's because of that, there's a difference in some of the wording. And what is being communicated in each of these different books? It's father, will of my father in relation to what? That nation. Look at Mark chapter number four and keep your finger in Matthew 12 and 13. But get Matthew chapter number four. I'm going to show you something else. Look at verse number 11, Matthew four, verse 11. And he said unto them, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Mark 4, verse 11. And he said unto, you, uh, unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of who? God. Mystery is a singular word. There's no S on the end of it. It says mystery. Why? Because this kingdom was nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. Hence, now you have a new mystery. The kingdom of God threw everybody for a loop because they never heard it before. It was new. It's a new singular mystery. 
Why is that important? Because in Matthew's account, look at this. In Matthew's account, verse 13, it's the same, uh, chapter 13, it's the same, verse 11. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries. So we either have a cross-reference where there's an error. Or we have two different kingdoms being spoken about. And it's there for a reason. What kingdom do we see in Matthew chapter 11 verse 13? Because it is given unto you know the mysteries of what kingdom? The kingdom of heaven. You have a plurality of mysteries. Why? Because the Old Testament is chock full of information about the physical kingdom pertaining to a Jewish nation. This is why it is plural in Matthew's account and why it is singular in Mark's account. Because in Mark, it's kingdom of God inward, one new mystery being revealed. And in Matthew's account, it's the kingdom of heaven. It's plenty of mysteries that the Jews can look back to. Plus a new mystery. I mean, how are you going to feel if you're a Jew? You got God gave that Jewish nation 70 weeks of prophecy. The 69th week has been fulfilled. The 70th week has not been fulfilled. What in the world's going to happen in between the 69th and the 70th week of prophecy? And the Jews like, well, I don't know. And that's why Jesus reveals a new mystery, which is why we went through all of those parables in Matthew 13 one by one, because it's giving the condition of the kingdom of heaven during this church age time. That's why we have two different accounts and just trying to draw some distinction. You heard synoptic gospels. <laughs> They're not as synoptic as you've been told. Okay. Okay. There's, there's some similarities in many ways, yes. But we've got two different kingdoms being spoken about. That's not synoptic. That's not similar. That's different. Two different kingdoms. One singular mystery, one plural mysteries. I'm not trying to split hairs. I'm just trying to say the more we dig deep into the Bible, the more we can see these things that uh, will, will help us in rightly dividing. You know what else you got? Mark chapter 4, these parables are presented in relation to a spiritual kingdom of God. There's no capital headquarters. It's not Jerusalem. It's not Washington, D.C. It's not Vatican. And it's not Hammond, Indiana. Okay? <laughs> there is no physical headquarters at all. There's no borders. There's no political movement. We don't have kings. We don't have, uh, a, uh, we don't have a pyramid of pecking order on who's going to rule. Guess what we all are? Brothers and sisters in Christ, and we all share the same priesthood. 
That's how it works. This is why we don't exalt one gift over another gift. Because there's no hierarchy in this kingdom. And you can call yourself a man of God all you want, but you're not a king over Israel. So quit. <laughs> we all are brothers and sisters in Christ. No one should be exalted over anyone. And the moment we start doing that, we enter back into Old Testament kingdom of heaven stuff where there was a hierarchy. You're not going into where the high priest goes into. Why? Because you're not high enough. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, children have access to the same throne of grace that adults do. Missionaries, pastors, evangelists, preachers. There isn't a higher level of heaven that they go to. We are all in the same kingdom, the spiritual kingdom of God. What, of our, what are our weapons? Weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. We don't have a military. Now, I'm thankful that our kingdom called the United States has a military that's powerful enough, at least now, to keep out enemies. And at least now to conquer land. And then that land is broken down in borders. And how do they do that? Through violence. <laughs> but that's not what we do. Our weapons aren't swords and guns and knives and tanks. Our weapons, we are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, right? And you know what our physical kingdom is made up of? Everybody. Believers and non-believers alike. Wicked and unwicked. Godly and ungodly. Righteous and unrighteous. You know what the kingdom of God is made up of? One group of people. Those that have been born again like Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And praise God. We desire now to please him through the foolishness of preaching. <laughs> the world thinks that's foolish. But that is where we are at. It'd be great to have mighty men like David. But we don't have an army like that. We are strong in the Lord. And finish the verse. In the power of his might. That's where our might comes from. Yes, David trusted in the Lord. Yes, he did. But we're not David. We don't have a whole lineup of mighty men to fight for us. <laughs> Our might comes from the Lord. We don't have old, we don't have all of these sacrifices that we see in the Old Testament. There was a one-time sacrifice. Jesus said it is finished. Guess what else we don't have? We don't have any feast dates. Let me, let me correct myself. We've got one feast day. And it's not December 25th. 
And it's not a different Sunday every March or April, depending on the equinox. You know what that one feast day is? The Lord's Supper. If you want to feast over something, you want to celebrate over something, celebrate the one feast day New Testament Christians were given. The Lord's Supper. It's a completely different kingdom. We're not doing feast days after feast days after feast days like they did in the Old Testament. All the days are alike. There are no holidays. There are no holy days. Why? I got to correct myself on that. Every day is a holy day. Every day. We got to get a hold of this. We are in a kingdom that is so much more powerful than any physical kingdom will ever be. The kingdom of God that is within is the same kingdom that our brothers and sisters in bonds in Pakistan or Trashkanistan, whatever one of those countries, just a complete, absolute mess. Do you know we belong to the same kingdom as they do if they're a believer? Not the same physical kingdom, but the same spiritual one. We have more power than we think we do. And we can realize that when we start tapping into the power of his might. Look, it bothers me what goes on in the world. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not surprised and I'm not concerned. Well, I'm concerned in some ways related to my physical well-being. I mean, I think we have enough free eggs that really aren't free because by the time you put the fencing up and you buy the, you build the coop and then you, you know, breakfast is, it's not, you, we're not paying twice as more at Walmart for eggs. We're only paying 20 times for our free, for our free eggs. But I think we got enough eggs to survive. I think we have enough sheep to survive. I think we have uh, enough whatever is next on the list for us to buy as far as livestock. I mean, I think we can make it for some time. So sure, I'm concerned about those physical things. I'm not saying that we should not be. What I'm saying is if we dwell on that, we're going to easily lose sight of the power that we can tap into that comes from God's might, not the might that we have down here on earth. Look at Mark 4. Let me show you something else. Mark chapter 4. Verse number 20. Uh, okay, let's do verse number, Mark 4, verse number 21. Jesus, uh, and he said unto them in verse 21, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? Now, when I was a young boy, uh, we, we worked on a scallion farm. My great uncle owned uh, a scallion farm. And so we'd have to put bushels together and we'd have to put the scallions in the bushels and it's a unit of measurement and 
it's work <laughs> when you're stocking produce into bushels. And if you've ever done any type of farm work, you know that it's work. Uh, and you know what God doesn't want you to do? He doesn't want to hide. He doesn't want you to hide your faith in your work. Just put it under a bushel. When you're working, nobody at no, nobody at work knows that you're a Christian. Because you just think, well, I should just keep it inside the four walls. Now, granted, you can't use work time as witnessing time. But also, I would almost guarantee that God will open up a window of opportunity for any Christian on the job site to share his faith or her faith at some opportune time. You know what God doesn't want you to do? Hide your faith. There's power in the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse number 21, or under a bed. Where is our bed located? In our home. You know where else he doesn't want us to hide it? Not just in our business. He doesn't want us keeping it in our home either. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. And that's the extent of our prayer and the extent of our witness. Are you saved? God, look, pray at night at your bed. God does not want us to hide this spiritual kingdom in our homes. He doesn't want us to do that. I'm not saying don't celebrate your faith at your home. I'm not telling you to not do that. I'm saying don't do it at the exclusion of all you got is you're just hiding. God doesn't want that. Look at verse 22. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. There's no such thing as isolated Christianity. Where God favors that. I'm not saying you wouldn't be saved. I'm not saying you're not going to go to the same heaven that I'm going to. I'm not saying. Someone else is more saved than you. We're all equally saved. All I'm saying is. If you truly desire to want to serve God. Get it out to somebody else. Don't isolate yourself. People do this in all sorts of ways. Um, I know you don't have to fellowship in order to get to heaven. And you know that you don't have to go to church. You don't, you know, if you come to church every service, it's not like you have like a special little mansion that says, um, Every time the doors were open, they were here, saints. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> there isn't a mansion for that. I know some people think there might be, but there isn't. Do you know why it's so good to fellowship? Why God desires that? Because we're not keeping it in private. We're coming together, fellowshipping. And guess what? I'm going to encourage you. You're going to encourage me. You're going to encourage each other, you know, until the boys come in, start bugging you. Then it's just a discouragement. And so there's that, too. But you need someone there to uplift you. But you know what I'm saying? We need to fellowship. 
God doesn't desire us to be in isolation. Look at Mark 4, verse number 26. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, that spiritual kingdom, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, Immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest is come. Ever plant something in the ground and you plant it in that ground, you're like, I can't believe something came up. I can't believe we've got broccoli this year that we just picked, we just harvested, and we I can't believe it. Because I can't go out and speak to the broccoli and play classical music around it to help it grow more. I can't make it grow. It's got to find good ground. And then guess who takes care of it? God. So you know what we do when we're not isolating ourselves? We sow seed. And as we sow that seed, yeah, I'm going to make you get saved. Yeah, I'm going to force you to get saved and see how that works. It's not going to work any more than you're going to go out, put a seed in the ground, and stand out there and command that corn stalk to come up. It's not going to happen. God's going to have to provide something and increase. That makes sense? That's what we're going for. Sowing seed and trusting God to provide the increase. Look at 1 Corinthians verse 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 6. You all know this, this uh, the passage of Scripture. I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know, there's a man that I witnessed to, Chris spoke to, He's heard preaching nothing. I think next on the lineup is Brother Kelly's been praying about speaking to him. Now, I'm not saying he will or he won't. But if Kelly speaks to that man and witnesses that man, that man gets saved. What do you think? Kelly saved him? No. What do you think? Chris saved him? No. What do you think? I saved him? No. Guess who saved him? God. Because somebody planted Somebody watered, and guess who showed up and gave the increase? Jesus Christ is this hero in the story every single time. He's my hero. He's your hero. He's the hero of the world. He's the hero every time. So what do we do? Get busy sowing. Get busy preaching. Get, with, get busy working for the Lord, but just know this. The Lord does the work. <laughs> the Lord does the work. All right, a couple more things and we'll close it out. Um, get Mark 4 and Matthew 13. 
Same spots. Mark four. I think you'll like these last few here. Mark chapter four. Where am I at? Verse 30. Archer says, verse 30, and he said, where unto shall we liken the kingdom of God? That's being spoken of in Mark. Or if what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Now, I want you to notice something here, because when we turn to Matthew 13, you're going to see a difference. So I want us to recognize what's happening in Mark's account so we can notice the difference in Matthew's account. You have greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches. It remains what it is. And as it remains what it is, its branches go out far and wide throughout all the earth. It remains as it is, and the branches go out. Now, it's a blessing. We look at the stats, and you know, Josiah wanted to look at the one look at the stats a couple of weeks ago on sermon audio on the different countries and states where people have been listening in, and it's amazing. The power of, I'm just still amazed, power of the internet, how people find us. And it, it's a blessing. That's the branches going out. My sending church, we're we're sent out of a church, and what happens? A branch goes out. And another branch goes out. And then Lord willing from here in the future, someday a, a, a man will be trained and be called and he'll be sent out. What is that? That's a branch going out. It remains as it is, though. Now look at Matthew. Because here's the difference. Look at Matthew 13. Look at verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them saying, this is Matthew 13, 31. Watch what kingdom this is. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree. You know why that's important? In Mark's account, the kingdom of God, that spiritual kingdom that we belong to, it remains as it is and the branches go out. You know what happens in the kingdom of heaven? It doesn't remain as it is. It becomes what? A tree. You know why that's important to note? Because we are not a church that's going to turn into a political movement. We are not a church that's going to turn into a social movement. We're not a church that's going to turn into a bank and just hoard money. We're the church of the living God. We go out and we sow seed. And we remain as we are. New Testament born again Christians. And the branches go out. But you know what you got in the physical kingdom of heaven? Remember we talked about when we went through all these parables in Matthew 13? 
You're going to have people that will enter right, right now in this world, this physical world. You can't tell the wheat from the tares. Remember we talked about all that? And in the church, you don't have any tares because we're all part of the kingdom of God. And we went through all those differences. Not going to go through them again. When Christ comes down to set up his millennial kingdom, those that have survived that seven-year period of Daniel's 70th week, you know, some of them will enter just because they survived physically, but they have not put their faith in God. That's going to happen. We can easily change who we are to appeal to more. And I'm sure all of us here tonight agree. We ain't doing that. We are remaining as a church. And we are going to make our branches go out as far and wide as the Lord will allow it to go. That's what our desire is. The other difference is that. Uh, well, I'm not going to chase this rabbit too far. I'm not spending thousands of dollars on a Christmas cantata to bring in people with trees and lights and Santa and all this. And act like I'm doing something for God because it's not for God. It's for show. It's to get people and to keep people from leaving. That's all it is. And I'm not going to mention the church, but if this happens at Walmart, fine. I expect it to happen at secular organizations. But when you have church on your sign and when I drive by and the parking lot is full and you have Santa and Mrs. Claus outside of the front doors, that just boils my blood. We are not going to change who we are in the name of fun when that fun goes against what the scripture says. It's not right. I identify as a born-again Christian. I do. How about you? I'm not trying to be Mr. Killjoy. I just, I am not confused about who I am in Christ. I know where I came from, and praise God, I'm out of that. <laughs> I'm in a kingdom that I am excited about. All right. I'll give you these. You don't have to turn there, but. Matthew 13, verse 32. In the Matthew account, it says uh, the birds are lodging in the branches thereof. In Mark's account, it says the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Under the shadow that's speaking of the kingdom of God. And that's what we want, especially this weekend. People to fall under the influence of it. They might not enter in. But we want them to fall under the influence of it. That's the idea. And unless you're born again, you won't enter into it. And the whole lodging in the branches thereof, we did all a bunch of that when we went through the parables in Matthew. So we won't review that again. Uh, last thing I'll say this. Let's see if anybody can call out the answer. What parable is missing from Mark's account? I, I, I gave the answer a little bit earlier. The parable of the wheat and tares. 
It's not in Mark's account. It's not as synoptic as we've been told. There's differences. And you know why there aren't any wheat and tares? Kind of already told you. Because it's the spiritual kingdom of God. There are no tares in God's spiritual kingdom. We are all born again believers. So this is why in Mark's account, it says when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest has come. There is no burning in Mark 4. There's no casting out in Mark 4. There's no fire in Mark 4. There's no false professions in Mark 4. All of that is Matthew stuff. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, everybody is born again, just like Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So the difference. Kingdom of heaven, we have something to observe. Kingdom of God, nothing to observe. It's inward. Jesus said, will of God versus will of my father. We see in the two different accounts, mystery singular versus mysteries plural. One, the plurality, kingdom of heaven. Plenty of references in the Old Testament to Jews. Now another one. One is a physical land with physical borders. Not concerned about that. We have a spiritual land. And then finally, the last difference that we spoke about tonight, Mark 4, there's no parable of wheat and tares because in the spiritual kingdom of God, we're all born again. Nobody's a tear. So, all right, that's some differences on that. Hope you got something out of it. Let's pray.